G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. 2020, bringing a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Weekdays on UCB's Vision Radio Network. Find out more at vision.org.au. And this hour, we're talking about lawyers and the law. And in particular, we're going to focus a little on what Christian lawyers do. A very special guest this hour is the chairman of CLEAR Australia. CLEAR stands for Christian Lawyers Education, Aid and Research. Really, it's Christian Lawyers for Justice. And so a special welcome to Mark Fowler, who's the chairman of CLEAR Australia. Hello, Mark. Welcome to 2020. Good day, Neil. Pleasure to be with you. It's really great to have you here in the studio. And uh, I think that there'll be a certain uh, sort of listener today who might like to contribute to our conversation because mm-hmm. we want to talk about what Christian lawyers stand for. Mm-hmm. Uh, people, when we hear about lawyers, obviously we're concerned about justice. Mm. Uh, we think of criminal lawyers. We think of uh, property lawyers, commercial lawyers. Uh, you have some expertise in charity law and uh, you have some specialisations in commercial law. But when it comes to being a Christian lawyer, mm. is this something in Australia that is growing? Are there more and more Christian lawyers who are networking together and becoming an entity which may soon grow into some level of influence? Good um, question, Neil. Look, the, the history of um, Christian lawyers' associations in Australia um, is really a state-based history. So if we take uh, Queensland as an example, Queensland was set up in about 2000, um, was launched at the Banco Court, the Supreme Court. Uh, the patron of the Christian Lawyers Society in Queensland is the Chief Justice, Paul de Jersey. He's been a great supporter of the association. The Queensland um, Christian Lawyers are incorporated as an association in Queensland. Um, and that's been operating since about 2000 or so and has been growing. Um, it has three principal aims. The, the first aim, and this is just Queensland at the moment. I'll come to the rest of uh, some of the other states um, in a moment. But Queensland's three aims are to encourage lawyers that are currently in the practice of law and, of course, students considering that, uh, to contemplate how their faith might impact upon their practice. So, and to, you know, so we'll have breakfasts around ethical issues in the practice of law um, what does the Bible say about justice? What does the gospel say about justice? Uh, what did the life of Jesus tell us about justice? Those sorts of issues. So we hear from judges and from uh, academics and practitioners on those kind of uh, conundrums, I guess you might say. So this is what's really come out of the Queensland uh, Christian lawyers. You mentioned, uh, let's get on to some other states. Uh, whereabouts throughout Australia are there groups of Christian lawyers who are communicating together? Right. So New South Wales has been operating since about 1981, I understand. Victoria has been operating, I think, from around the early 2000s. Uh, South Australia has been around since about, I think, the late 90s or so. Western Australia has just recently got some momentum and is joining together. I'm not aware of anything happening in Western Australia prior to that. And the ACT has had a group. We spoke at their first uh, meeting, which was back in late 2012. So there has been a bit of momentum 
in recent times. So if I was making an observation, I would say that Christian lawyers have been grouping together in their local contexts in various states around Australia, but Mm -hmm. this is something that's special and happening uh, in 2014, is that there is a momentum that is growing to the point where there's now like a national association of Christian lawyers. And uh, really, from what has started off with small beginnings, has really great potential for tremendous influence in the years to come. Yeah, look, um, to take to move then from the state-based um, history to the national, which is, I think, where you're going, um, there has recently been incorporated, as a company limited by guarantee, so a national company um, a, called Clear International Australia, as you referred to earlier, the membership for that company, as in shareholders, it's not a shareholder proprietary limited for-profit company, but it's a charity um, registered nationally. The membership for persons or entities that want to ascribe to membership is open to Christian lawyers societies, so fraternities of Christian lawyers around Australia, who, upon membership, get the right of nomination of a director to the board of Clear. So as a result, we do have a national vehicle, um, it is novel in the sense that we've not had a national vehicle for the Christian lawyers' societies in the past. Um, its particular focus currently is on human rights, uh, encouraging life in its, mem- in its member societies, and encouraging the taking of mission trips to Africa, and we'll no doubt get on to that. Um, yeah, so and perhaps if I, if I just revisit quickly the, um, the three main aims of the Christian Lawyers' Society in Queensland, which I think is being translocated across into the national vehicle too. But the first is to encourage contemplation and fellowship amongst lawyers, so Christian lawyers already identify as Christians. The second is to um, share the hope that we have in our daily practice and in turning back to Christ and seeking his support and encouragement in what we do in the daily grind of practice, to share that hope with other practitioners that don't yet know him. And the third is to express our faith in action, so through social justice through concerns, for example, looking at current issues uh, around legislation on which Christians might be interested to comment and so on. So they've been the three main guiding lights, I guess, for Christian lawyers in Queensland. And um, certainly Christian lawyers, the clear vehicle is set up to encourage the life of its members. Well, we're going to invite listeners to call in and participate in our conversation today. Uh, We're going to be talking about Christians and Christian lawyers. Uh, We'll be talking about human rights, human dignity and uh, even human equality. You might have some thoughts on what our Christian responsibility might be in the fight for people's rights. Uh, whether that be here on our own home shores in Australia or whether there is responsibility overseas because uh, we're going to talk about this activity that's been going on in Africa because it does seem to me, uh, Mark, that uh, with Christian lawyers banding together in one sense uh, to support Christian mission activity, it throws not only light on the uh, the inadequacies of justice and law in foreign nations and other developing nations, but it also has some reflection back on who we are and what we do here in Australia. So just quickly, tell me, I'll just give the number, uh, if you'd like to contribute to our conversation, uh, the, the talkback lines are open, 1-800-880-876. That's 1-800-880-876 if you'd like to contribute to our conversation today. Uh, Mark, when it comes to uh, Christian lawyers and your work in Africa, uh, in a nutshell, just give us uh, what you guys are actually about. Look, uh, okay, we're engaged in at several levels. Let's 
start possibly um, from the perspective of an Australian lawyer. Um, one of our major activities is sending young law students and practitioners over on mission trips to um, Africa. Um, there is a mission trip leaving in about six weeks' time of three young law students. So they're all students currently. They'll go over and travel through each of our partner countries, the first being Rwanda, Uganda and Kenya. The kind of thing they'll do is meet with other Christian lawyers there, pray together, talk about issues such as integrity in the practice of the law. What does that mean in Kenya? What does it mean in Rwanda? What does it mean in Australia? Uh, we do this in conjunction with the Lawyers Christian Fellowship in the UK. I should mention that. Clear is a partnership with the Lawyers Christian Fellowship in the UK. And so they'll share from the UK perspective. Uh, the students will then go into, a, for example, a local community in Rwanda, um, a rural community, and will give education on something like child labour law. Like Rwanda, for example, has recently adopted some international covenants on uh, child labour law. And so then communicating that through the local um, structures within the community, so the local mayor and the local church will be involved, and uh, then we'll teach on what this means for your practices in a village. Uh, another example is um, last year the team went into an area in northern Uganda that had been affected by the Kony conflict, the Lord's mm. Resistance Army. And part of the, um, the issue that was being faced there was that when the conflict was present in that area, a lot of people were displaced from their uh, traditional lands. After the conflict ceased and the Lord's Resistance Army was driven out, a lot of people returned, but there was a lot as a result of disputes over land ownership. And so the education that was given by the students last year was on how to resolve land-based disputes at a community level. Uh, as another example, um, they will, uh, in the past, they've gone into jails and they've get given education on basic rights, um, such as the right to have the evidence presented against you, uh, the right to understand what the charge is, which is by no means assured. Um, you know, there are some terrible instances of, of injustice in that sense, just through a failure, not a failure, I guess, but a lack of proper legal aid um, for persons in a place like Kenya. You know, it's yeah. funny, when we think of missionaries and missionary activity, we're often thinking of uh, mm. a good-hearted person mm. uh, who is convicted by the Holy Spirit to go and take the gospel into all the worlds, mm. uh, and they go to a land and they combine perhaps uh, with some relationship with the local church and they help mm. with Bible teaching and those sorts of things. Mm. When we start to talk about lawyers being missionaries, mm -hmm. we are opening a whole new dimension to what it is to really be impacting the world. Mm -hmm. Because when you start to talk about uh, those human rights issues, child labor laws, when you start to talk about the rights of prisoners who perhaps uh, are imprisoned for lengthy periods of time uh, and not with any particular charge, uh, those sorts of things, uh, property disputes, those sorts of things, this is a real area in which you can make a huge difference by caring for the people in those nations. Mm, correct. That's right. And in many senses, it's a novel idea. Um, you know, and this is something that us lawyers have failed on, in, not failed, but it's just not been true of the practice of the law as it has been, say, for example, um, the practice of medicine. So if you went to, for example, uh, Cambridge University in the 30s and took a, a selection of individuals there, those that were, um, were from a Christian faith, you know, many of them would have said, I'm here because I want to go to the mission field. And I see the skills that I'm now accruing as, an, as enabling me to do something useful. 
lawyers haven't had that same mindset. And it's interesting that uh, the lawyers out there will, will um, resonate with this concept, the, the concept of trust or a trust, I should say. So um, charitable trusts or trust law in general um, holds that uh, a trustee holds a particular asset on behalf of or for the benefit of certain named individuals being beneficiaries. In some senses, I think Christians can look at their legal knowledge as, uh, and certainly Christians from the West, you know, in a very privileged position. I mean, we are really, as lawyers, in a very privileged position as Australians. We're in the top 0.1%, you know, in terms of probably net worth, um, but also in terms of education in the world. And in some senses, I think I've often looked at this and encouraged younger lawyers to think of it in this way, that they have been gifted with the knowledge that they've gained through law school. And they should, in some senses as a Christian, see it as something they've been entrusted with to hold for the benefit of others. And that's certainly um, very consistent with a lot of the um, ethical standards that are placed upon us as practitioners um, of our local Supreme Court or um, the High Court. And so in many senses, this is an extension of that. The knowledge we have on human rights, on principles such as the rule of law, of the independence of the judiciary, and so on, these are things that we can share for the benefit of the the less advantaged, the, the the underprivileged in our society and in societies overseas as well. Well, I want to invite listeners to participate in our conversation. Our talkback lines are open. You can call us on 1-800-880-876. That's 1-800-880-876. Mark Fowler is our guest. He's the chairman of CLEAR Australia. It's the Christian Lawyers for Justice. CLEAR stands for Christian Lawyers Education, Aid and Research. We'll continue our conversation in just a short while. Do call us, though. Be part of our conversation. 1-800-880-876. Rise and shine. My mum has a knack for literally... It's Neil with you on 2020. Our special guest is Mark Fowler. He's the chairman of CLEAR Australia. We're talking about Christian lawyers and Christian lawyers who are at a point in this time in Australia's history uh, getting together uh, in a national sense where we've had different state bodies of Christian lawyers that have been uh, gathering together for some time. Uh, Very exciting to hear that there is a national uh, communication, a national network of Christian lawyers. And their work is not just about those issues that are here on Australian soil, but also issues that are going on in other countries. And I want to talk some more about Africa, but uh, the lines are open. You can call us on one eight hundred eighty eight zero eighty seven six. 870 We're talking about Christians, uh, Christian lawyers, about human rights, dignity and equality. You might have some thoughts on our Christian responsibility and the fight for people's rights. You might also have some questions Questions on charity law uh, or on commercial law, because those are areas of expertise. Our guest has this hour, Mark Fowler, the chairman of Clear Australia. Uh, Mark, we've been talking about Africa. Uh, the contrast in Africa is that Africa's legal system is different to ours. Uh, so, uh, when you've got all of these different challenges and injustices that go on, and I know there are laws in Africa, but obedience to those laws is not the same way as we have it here in Australia. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's, that's that certainly um, has been what's been. So we um, we operate as a fellowship of Christian lawyers societies. Uh, so the local practitioners in each of our partner countries, Rwanda, Kenya, and Uganda, are staffed by local lawyers with local expertise. Uh, <clears throat> Australian, as as you're well aware, Australia derives at least historically uh, is part of the common law tradition. 
So Kenya and Uganda are both common law countries. So there is some synthesis there. I was interesting to remark um, that in around the 1910s, Uganda adopted Victoria's uh, system of land titling, almost whole as bolus, mm. just with replacing references references to Victoria. I think so. There are a lot of parallels between our law, and um, so um, we get we do tend to get over there and have a real familiarity uh, when we look at the local law. And of course, in a place like Rwanda, um, there is a lot of adoption of international covenants and so on. And so we are often signatory to the same covenants, and so there is some familiarity there. Now, there is a very rich history of lawyers and the Christian church. Uh, I'm not sure how familiar you are with those sorts of things, but uh, but there's been a, a long history of law and the Christian church and the great reformers, uh, names like Martin Luther or John Calvin. Mm. Uh, we would uh, relate them to having legal expertise and that mixed with their theological expertise uh, caused great ripples right around the world. So there's this mm. real uh, uh, cultural heritage. But mm. even our legal system, going back into British law, which just yesterday there was a whole lot of things in the media about, about, uh, about Britain being a Christian nation because there is no denying the Christian background. And, of course, what they're Mm. talking about is their legal system, our Mm. system here in Australia uh, uh, through our constitution uh, from federation. Uh, It really has been a Christian-founded system. So there is a sense, isn't there, that lawyers uh, have very much a strong Christian foundation, whether they are practising Christians or not. Mm. Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, the common law grew up in the Western Judeo-Christian heritage. Um, so there are a lot of what we would see as, as modern-day legal principles that we apply in court and so on, um, implying our trade. Um, they were formed in a Christian worldview. Um, so if we look to, for example, even the modern law of negligence, Lord Denning, uh, who led the Chief Justice, uh, sorry, the Chief Judgment in Donahue's and Stevenson, the, the old case about the, the snail in the bottle you might have heard of, yep. Uh, He was a Christian. He was the patron of the Lawyers Christian Fellowship for many years, I think 50 years. Uh, And certainly it's true that the neighbor principle that underpins that case, that you have a duty of care to your neighbor, he himself said, there's a speech um, you can get at the local Supreme Court library in which he uh, points out that he was drawing upon Christian principles in uh, formulating that judgment. Uh, So, you know, certainly the common law grew up in the Christian framework, you know, so um, the relationship between the church and the state is another example of, um, and you know, we are in Australia. We're we're distinct from the UK. You know, we don't have an established church. So there are some distinctions to be drawn there, but certainly when you read judgments historically, there is an absolute wealth of material there um, to look at from a biblical perspective. As an aside on all of that, and as we reflect on Australian society, I know there have been concerns of recent times about uh, those justices in the High Court, or perhaps the judiciary in general, uh, having grown up under this, you know, Christian worldview, the plausibility of of Christianity and uh, of a sense of righteousness that might be grounded in that Judeo-Christian ethic of uh, of Christian compassion and and of justice. But as time is going by and there are changes in our society that sometimes people are concerned now that the thinking of those who are 
justices uh, in our uh, judiciary uh, are actually changing their worldview, becoming less Christian, becoming more secular, and so therefore their judgments may actually be moving away from what we would have understood as some of those biblical principles for uh, for judgments. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, am I am I uh, am I way off? Off track here, or is that the sort of thing that you might be thinking about as well? Look, I think there's there's obviously no doubt that we're in an increasingly secular society, um, and also an increasingly pluralistic society uh, as a mod- multicultural society. So, whereas at one stage uh, the predominant faith in Australia, um, if you know, was the Judeo-Christian faith, we're certainly no longer in a place where that is. Well, it's certainly the predominant, but Multiculturalism has meant that we've got a greater diversity of different faiths uh, present within Australia. So I think um, the judiciary is reflecting that. Um, This has been an interesting discussion for lawyers for a long period of time. To what extent does your faith or should your faith impact upon your judgment writing? Uh, Should there be a a divergence? Should you not draw upon faith principles in writing judgments? Uh, Or should it inform your worldview? And... uh, it's a difficult balance for judges uh, to maintain that. It's, it's a very interesting one. Um, but look, in a, in a modern pluralistic society, I think the role of the Christian is certainly to ensure that our voice is heard. I think we have a concern if we are not able to articulate, our, as you said, a Christian worldview based on compassion, based on justice, if we don't recognise that they're an absolute uh, wealth of material in the Bible on justice, and that that is a legitimate contribution to the national debate. Uh, so, what what I am concerned about is any uh, undermining of the freedom of speech. I guess that would try and silence a Christian's perspective, um, because you know a Christian, from a biblical worldview, Christians believe they have something very unique and something very special to offer to the public discourse. Uh, something that prioritizes or fights against in- injustice and prioritizes the little guy. And that's something that certainly a lot of Austra- resonates for a lot of Australians. Um, so a lot of the more recent new atheist type of uh, uh, take of the world was to silence Christianity as having no valid contribution whatsoever. And I think that just completely flies in the face of millennia worth of considered opinion and considered thought. Um, in the Western tradition. And so Christians should take heart that we have you know, amazing things to offer in the, in the current debate. Uh, we are one voice amongst many. There's no doubt about that in modern pluralistic society. But we, you know, we do hold out the hope that, in a sense, you know, the Bible says that Christianity is the light of the world. When you have raised a few uh, issues there in uh, in what you were just saying, uh, you mentioned free speech. And, of course, uh, that's been a big headline in Australia and the, the Attorney General making all sorts of uh, comments saying that, well, uh, people have a right to be bigoted. And mm. it's created a whole lot of uh, angst amongst uh, the opponents. And people have been saying, well, uh, really, what is this? Uh, mm. You know, we're talking about uh, racial discrimination, the Racial Discrimination Act. Mm -hmm. Uh, and the uh, reforms that uh, the Attorney-General is proposing to those. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's challenges there, but as a Christian lawyer, I mean, uh, we're getting into sort of deeper water here, but what uh, what are your thoughts on what's been uh, debated of recent times when it comes to these free speech issues? Because you mentioned when we talked about free speech, uh, you want to maintain free speech because otherwise 
there is a uh, there's a level of ammunition that can be used against Christians as they uh, talk about the gospel. Mm. Yeah, look, it's it's um, you know, there, there's many layers to this debate, and you're quite right. Brandis has come out and said um, that Australians have the right to be bigots. Now, I think it was somewhat unfortunate. It was rather indelicate, and and uh, that people have latched onto that statement. And <clears throat> the problem with a lot of these debates is they tend to polarize in the the two, you know, the five-second catch grab that makes the seven o'clock news, and we don't get to the deeper level of what's at stake here. So maybe if we explore that a little. Um, so the, the issue is uh, 18C, uh, section 18C. What the proposal is is to strike out the words uh, "offend" and "insult." I think so. It will be lawful to offend or insult. And this is not my particular area of law, so you know I want to caveat my remark on that, but. But this, looking back, though, these, these are important issues, say, um, going back. I mean, you know, in the, 18, the uh, 1800s, people rioted on the streets uh, in London for protecting free speech uh, around the era of John Stuart Mill and so on. The right to uh, say what we like only so far as, and this is the test, and John Stuart Mill applied this as well, the right to express in a liberal uh, democracy who we are, to flourish as individuals, to the extent that, with the only limitation being that we don't incur upon others' freedoms. And so again, we get into sort of utilitarianism, Jeremy Bentham and so on. So the, the question in this debate I think that we need to look at is, are we imposing upon other people's freedoms by offending or insulting them? Or does offence and insult, is that part a necessary part of a democracy? And is there other means to get at a resolution if there is offence or insult? So, for example, John Stuart Mill, um, if you look back to his, some of his work, um, you know, there is an argument that, and I'm not saying this is my argument, but there is an argument that, well, certainly, certainly to this extent it's my argument, that a modern democracy needs to have open, free expression and free debate so that ideas can be put to the test and those that are not valid can be shot down. If we're not able to express the full gamut of opinion, uh, then the what remains silent and unspoken isn't challenged. Now, that's the concern. So if we have a Holocaust denier not able, I mean, I don't, no one agrees, you know, no right in their right mind um, uh, does deny that the Holocaust occurred. But if people are not permitted to express it, then there's a concern there is an undercurrent of opinion that doesn't make it to the surface and cannot be challenged on its merits for truth. So that's some of the principles at stake here, and I think that's some of where Brandis is coming from. Interested always uh, talking about those ethical uh, philosophies. Uh, you mentioned John Stuart Mill and Jeremy Bentham, uh, Jerry, uh, uh, Jeremy yes. Bentham, um, the greatest happiness principle. Yes. Uh, yes. And when those sorts of principles are applied in a society without the constraints of uh, understanding that there is a God who mm. has absolutes and who has justice, mm. uh, then the laws that are made in relation to people's happiness and whether they are going to be affected by whatever might happen, uh, those sorts of laws can be so easily 
manoeuvred and manipulated mm. that uh, inevitably people will lose. Mm. Uh, so there is an importance here for Christian lawyers uh, involved in these sorts of philosophical debates because mm. there's an appreciation that God is God and mm. that he has said things in his word. Mm. That's, look, a good point. And the issue is, if we perhaps come back to human rights then, the issue is um, what is the standard? Like, so if human rights are merely the expression of the majority will, okay, through legislation, through a parliament that enacts the majority will, then if the majority will uh, is against a fundamental human right principle, how does the principle stand? Uh, which leads me to conclude that we need to find our inspiration outside of the majority will. There has to be an expression of fundamental human rights that is outside of the general consensus in a given community at any point in time. So the, if, you, if you follow my thinking, so there has to be underpinning human relations certain fundamental principles which are outside um, the, the thought or the general consensus of man or, man, or humankind. Um, for that reason, we have to look for some degree of morality outside of our own conception. Um, and where do we look? This is this is one of the issues with human rights. This where is one of look? this is one of the primary, very important issues that we talk about as Christians, isn't it? Because what part does God play in law? And mm. that's what you're saying now is that uh, without God involved in law or above our rule of law, uh, we're in real trouble. That's right. I mean, certainly. You know, the Christian holds to the view that uh, the Bible provides a framework for just living, you know, for fair living, uh, to accord rights and also responsibilities on all, all of humankind. Uh, and so it provides a framework for just and ordered civil society. Okay? If, it, if, if we have a society in which, in, certainly in a Christian worldview, everyone is um, preferring other people's rights above their own. We have a very you know, stable and just society. And so I think you know, the Bible is unique in holding out a very um, you know, a wonderful conception of what society might be. And so Christians have a role in saying, putting up our hands and saying, hey, look at this. This is something to be considered and has great merit. Um, and, that's, and that's the question. So the issue being, you know, if the general consensus is really just the standard, what if the general census is amoral? What, how, do we, how do we protect minority rights uh, if it's only about what the general, the general will prevailing is? That's right. And you might like to contribute to our conversation today. We are talking about law and we're talking about Christian lawyers. Our special guest is Mark Fowler. He's the chairman of Clear Australia. It's the Christian Lawyers for Justice. You can participate in our conversation. 1-800-880-876 is our number. 1-800-880-876. We'll come back and talk some more in just a short while. Talking Christian lawyers today and issues like human rights human dignity and equality, you might have some thoughts to contribute to our conversation, perhaps about Christian responsibility and the fight for people's rights. You can participate. Give us a call on 1-800-880-876. That's 1-800-880-876. Our special guest is Mark Fowler. He's the chairman of Clear Australia. That stands for Christian Lawyers, Education, Aid and Research. Uh, interestingly, Mark, uh, when we talk about this growing network of lawyers
lawyers here in Australia, while there have been various groups meeting in the states, uh, there's all there's been this this uh, uh, evolution to uh, a national network. But what you guys are doing, you're forging international networks too by your participation in those countries in Africa. Mm, we are, and look, I should also just mention Neil. Um, there has been uh, through the likes of Advocates International. Uh, there has been in the past. There was two uh, national conferences of Christian lawyers in the early two thousands. So this is novel in the sense that it's a vehicle that actually gives membership to each of the societies and gives some formality around that structure. But there has been a national conversation amongst Christian lawyers for uh, some years. Um, so it's not. It's certainly novel, and so, and so, you know, I just want to make that qualification for the other guys. And uh, yeah, in some sense, the but, uh, internationally uh, so though, yeah, so internationally. Um, yeah, look, the CLEAR network has fellow uh, Lawyer Christian Fellowship members in the UK, Australia, of course, and in Rwanda, Kenya, and Uganda. And very briefly, maybe I might just give you um, some of the history of how we've come to today's date. The um, What happened in about the early 2000s, Baptist World Missions in the UK thought, look, we want to get into some legal mission stuff. They approached the Lawyers Christian Fellowship in the UK, said, we've got a lawyer that wants to go and do some development legal aid work. Um, can we do this as a partnership? Uh, then Mark Barrell was the individual. He went to Uganda and set up the office in Uganda in conjunction with the local Lawyers Christian Fellowship in Uganda. The concept then spread to Kenya. Mark stayed there for three years and set it up. And there was a handover process, and now that's entirely run by the local Lawyers Christian Fellowship, who run, I think, three separate legal aid offices in Uganda. Similar thing happened in Kenya. There's also three in Kenya. And Rwanda started when a Scottish prosecutor gave up three years of her life uh, five years ago to go to Rwanda and assist the local Christian Lawyers Fellowship there to set up. And now that's all self-sustaining and running. So each of the um, – it's, it's actually what's quite unique about this CLEAR model is that each of the local offices in Africa are staffed and run by and governed by local Christian lawyer fellowships. They are ministry of the fellowship. And in many respects, they've got something to teach us. And, of course, yeah. that, there's momentum there that can grow into other countries. You're talking about three countries. started right. with one. It's grown into three countries in Africa, and now there's momentum to expand all the more. There is, yeah, that's right. So we're talking with other Christian lawyer fellowships in other countries as well, and also in Southeast Asia. Uh, Australia started a year and a half ago now. Oh, actually, no, a bit under two years. So the natural look for us in Australia is to look to our own region, and certainly there are Christian lawyers networks in Southeast Asia with which we've been speaking. And the prospect may be that we might send a lawyer uh, who's willing to give two to three years of their life to set up a legal aid office in a Southeast Asian nation with, in conjunction with the local lawyers Christian fraternity. And there'll be all sorts of opportunities, and there might be listeners who'd be interested to contact you. We'll give the website address where they can get in touch and be even a part of those sorts of initiatives that you're uh, talking about. Uh, Mark Fowler is our guest. He's the chairman of Clear Australia. Uh, we did say uh, a little earlier too. You could uh, you could ask questions about charity law or commercial law. Well, Barbara is in Kingston in South Australia. Hello, Barbara. Welcome to Twenty Twenty. Yeah, thank you. Barbara, what's your, uh, do you have a question for Mark today, do you? Yes, I do have. Um, um, I, I say about um, six to seven years back, 
I lent uh, some money to our family um, who were in need of... Um, they said, oh, they were losing their house. And so the mother of this uh, boy, John, um, you know, she appealed to me and I said, oh, well, I'd, you know, lend them the money. So I lent this money to to him. And um, so I've tried... He said, oh, he's going to pay it back. He's going to pay it back. He, and he hasn't really done that. And so I went to the lawyer and the lawyer um, charged me quite well. And, you know, being on a pension and... Um, I just felt that that wasn't really very very good, and I've been to see this boy John, and um, he keeps making you know issues of fobbing things off, and he doesn't pay where he should be paying. So I just feel that's really wrong, and I I mean it's crippled my situation where I can't you know give to um, I would like to go on a um, say a missions trip, and I can't do that because you know I'm crippled with finance. Um, so I just feel that's very, very difficult. I felt like it was like the woman, uh, you know, in the Bible who went to the unjust judge and kept on going and, mm. until she got justice. Mm. Yeah. Uh, but look, it is um, certainly, uh, from what you described, it does sound very difficult. Um, there are, there's probably two comments I'd make. Those sort of circumstances, as you said, um, described as unjust, the law is there to provide a remedy for it. Um, the issue with law, and it's often said in Australia, that the difficulty is you've got to pay a lawyer, as you've just said, to enforce justice. Yes. Um, and so in many senses, you know, there's a concern that justice is justice for the rich. Um, there are legal aid uh, networks, and I understand there are legal aid networks in South Australia as well. Mm. There are certain criteria that you have to meet, uh, not only in terms of income, and so on, but depending upon the nature of your matter, yours is a commercial matter, uh, so you would need to possibly look at um, whether or not your matter um, satisfies the public interest test. Uh, there's, interestingly enough, and uh, this, is, this might be something of interest for you in the future too, Neil, but Salvos, the Salvation Army, have recently set up a legal aid office uh, in uh, Sydney. They've got several there, and they've got one now in Goodna in Queensland as well. I'm not sure, Barbara, if there is one operating in South Australia, um, mm. but that might be a benefit to you. Might be a help. Yeah, yes. it might. So. Um, the thing is, um, you know, he has done this to other people and um, so he's, and it's not that he hasn't got money. He has got money. Mm. So I've heard it from his brother, but his brother said that um, it might be, that be, be a good idea to put a caveat on his house. Look, certainly you, but, but, um, yes, that's right. If there is a general, you know, it's just good advice that in lending money at the outset that some form of security be taken. You might have a contractual arrangement with him under which you could sue him, but that contractual relationship is always better backed up by some form of asset that you can access mm. without the need to go to a court to get oh, yeah. money out of him. So, yeah. yeah. And well, the lawyer the, yeah. said to me, he said, well, well, you could win, but if I could lose as well. Yes. And he said that, if you know he takes him to court, um, he will just um, deny and deny and um, you can get away with things. And that, I don't think that's right. Well, that's one of the risks. I mean, if he perjures himself, if he lies in court, it's a very yeah. serious offence. Oh, yeah. yeah. The other thing, of course, is that you mentioned that he's done this to others. If there was a level of fraud in this, um, then it may be a criminal matter mm. which the police were interested in. Okay. okay? Yeah. So you think it would be all right to see them? 
Look, I mean, they will assess whether or not they want to do something about it. But certainly if there are criminal issues, then, you know, there is... The police are there to take complaints from the public, okay? And so if, I, if I do that and I can't get anywhere with them, would an MP be any good to go to? Uh, look, this is certainly the kind of thing that... that um, that uh, MPs will field in their office, and it's up to your local MP. They may refer you to a local legal aid centre as well. Okay. And I would be um, having a conversation, having a search. I'm not. Sh- I'm not sorry. I'm not aware of um, what legal aid framework is there in South Australia. But mm. just a standard Google search would locate legal aid centres. If you put that in legal aid centres, presume uh, you know South Australia, you'll pick up, and then it's just a matter of calling up front, saying mm. this is the nature of my matter, is this the kind of matter that you handle, and if so, uh, what do you need from me to progress this? I see. And they might be able to give you, once you've described it to them in further detail, they may be able to give you an assessment as to whether or not it does involve criminal liabilities okay. where the police might be involved. Yeah, okay. Barbara, thank you so much for your call today here on 2020. And uh, just to mention too, the website for the Salvos legal uh, uh, outfit is www.salvoslegal.com.au. We're running out of time a little bit here. Um, Just to mention that there is a Brisbane Lord Mayor's Prayer Breakfast coming up and the very special guest speaker there is the Honourable Paul de Jersey AC. He's speaking on a topic called Building a Just and Fairer Society. Just hearkening back to uh, a little while ago in our conversation, Mark, uh, he is the patron of of the uh, Christian lawyers in Queensland. Uh, He's certainly worth hearing if uh, people are able to get along to that particular gathering. Mm. Yes, and clear as well. He's our patron there as well. Yes, and you've got some events coming up too. We do. Um, So Christian lawyers have um, our annual dinner coming on on the uh, July 29th. Uh, Our speaker is um, Court of Appeal Judge, New South Wales Court of Appeal Judge, Peter Young. Uh, and uh, that might be of note for Queenslanders. So July 29, uh, if you want further information, you can email info at clear.org.au, info at clear.org.au, and we can put you on the email listing for an invite to that and for, for future events as well. Now, we were talking in one of the breaks just before, saying that uh, while there will be some lawyers who will be listening to our conversation, who will be interested in visiting the Mm. CLEAR website and finding out more about what you do, there might be many more listeners who know a Christian lawyer that might be introduced into this network, whether it's their state Mm. body or whether it's part of CLEAR as a national uh, body. But uh, what's your encouragement for people to to, be a bit of a... uh, um, an advocate for uh, setting people up with a, a relationship with you guys. Great. Thank you, Neil. Um, look, there's a number of things that a, um, a Western practitioner can do looking to the developing world. Um, and it's, it's an interesting thing. But <clears throat> when you set out on uh, a walk to explore concepts like the rule of law, the um, independence of the judiciary and human rights in the developing world, it causes you to then contemplate your own society and where we might also pull up our own socks. And so we have been looking at uh, local issues as well. So there's a number of thing that, uh, things that lawyers can do in Australia. You can provide research. 
um, and assistance on matters that are um, actually ongoing in Africa, in one of the African nations. You can also provide um, research and policy analysis uh, for us here in Australia if you want to volunteer some of your skills. Certainly, um, we encourage you to consider going on a mission trip. We've had um, a range of individuals. I mentioned students on the current one, but we've had practitioners and barristers um, on prior trips as well. And, uh, you know, we find that uh, for people that haven't had a direct engagement with the kind of injustice that we're going, and I'll give you a very quick example. One, on, I went on a trip on 2011 and we gave some education to about 600 um, prisoners in an East African country. I won't go into great detail, but at the end of this education, we had three people stand up. Uh, there was a, a time for questions, which details were taken, and then local lawyers came back the following in the following period to progress the matters that had been raised by the prisoners. But uh, the first prisoner got up and said, I've been here for three years. It was a Rahman prison, and he'd uh, only seen, uh, only met one judge uh, the initial bail application, and he'd not heard any progress in his matter since then. We were quite horrified. Three years um, without any progress was uh, quite exceptional. The next guy got up and said, I've been here seven years. I know what I'm accused of, but I do not know who my accuser is. Now, no matter what your understanding of justice is, it's not just to sit there and, and not even know who's accusing you of a crime. How, how can you maintain a defence if you don't even know that? He was told that due to the nature of the alleged offence, he could now make immediate application to be released, even though his matter hadn't been heard. So um, clear has come across people that have been held on remand awaiting judgment for up to 22 years in African prisons. So that's the kind of issues that we're trying to target. You guys are doing a fabulous job. I've got time to just give the website to get in touch with CLEAR. It's www.clear.org.au. And, of course, CLEAR stands for Christian Lawyers, Education, Aid and Research. Mark Fowler has been our guest over this past hour, and we're going to have you back again another day, Mark, and we'll talk some more, and there might even be legal questions that people will have. But I just want to say thank you so much for being a part of 2020 today. My pleasure. Like what you've just heard? There's more great podcasts. Or you can listen to us live at vision.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation of any amount will help us continue connecting faith to life. Learn more or donate today at vision.org.au.